Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 as the gentleman said. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I'm paraphrasing. You are in the right place where the best run. I have two buzzes. I don't know if that's the right word to use. We usually start with the buzz on the street. I have two buzzes today, so let me read them, and then I'll give you a little background on the topic and welcome our wonderful panelists. So, buzz number one is a quote from Adam Draper. He's the founder and managing director of Boost VC, a two-time entrepreneur and fourth-generation venture capitalist, and he has a large comic book collection. I don't know why I said that, but it was on on the Wikipedia. So here we go. The blockchain does one thing. It replaces third-party trust with mathematical proof that something happened. Just let that sink in for just a second. I introduced the word blockchain. We talked about trust. We talked about proof. And something happened. All very important buzzwords. Now let me go to buzz number two from William Mugayar, M-O-U-G-A-Y-A-R. He's the author of The Business Blockchain, published in 2016, General Partner at Virtual Capital Ventures, an early stage venture capital fund, and on the board of directors of OB1, the Open Bazaar Open Source Protocol that is pioneering decentralized peer-to-peer commerce. I'll leave that alone. His list of of accomplishments and memberships is, is astonishing. Here's the quote from William William Mugayar, the blockchain cannot be described just as a revolution. It is a tsunami-like phenomenon, slowly advancing and gradually enveloping everything along its way by the force of its progression. There we go. There's that word blockchain again. So, yes, welcome. Our topic is blockchain today, and it is redefining how we transact in the digital world where digitized trust is required. You may not be familiar with it, but we'll talk about that. According to the World Economic Forum research, get this, 58% of technology executives expect 10% of gross Gross global domestic product, which is valued at $5.3 trillion U.S. trillion, to be stored in the blockchain by 2025. Now, here we are in where? 2018? That's seven years away. So, are you on board yet, personally, professionally, your company, your organization? Well, this is part two, actually, of a topic we covered, a very lively and very timely topic, on our series called Startup Focus with Game Changers on February 20th, 2018, so just a few weeks ago. I have three of our panelists back, and we're joined by a fourth panelist, a newcomer to Game Changers. Let me tell you who they all are, and then we'll get started. First up, we are welcoming back in a moment Drew Hingorani, the CEO of AI-Blockchain. That's how he spells the company's name. Joining him is Peter Ebert, Senior VP of Sales and BD at CryptoWork. Always happy to have Peter on. He's been on several times. Joining us also is Andreas Fischer, Innovation Center Network Group Incubation of Blockchain at SAP. And our newcomer today is Jonathan Bourgeois. He goes by Johnny, J-O-N-N-Y. I got it, Johnny. CTO at AI Blockchain, working closely with Drew Hingarani. So welcome to our esteemed panelists. Let's get started. Drew has sent me a quote from, let's see, we've got a quote from Judy Garland. Oh, my. Everybody associates her with her role, yes, in The Wizard of Oz. When she was just a kid, she had a very interesting life, won a Juvenile Academy Award, a Golden Globe Award, a Special Tony Award, the first woman to win the Grammy Award for Album of the Year for her live recording, Judy, at Carnegie Hall in 1961, left us way too soon. And here is the quote. 
behind every cloud is another cloud. I don't know if we're talking about clouds in the sky or, or technology clouds. Drew, welcome back. How are you? Great, great. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. I'm delighted. Talk to me about the quote. I don't think we've ever had a Judy Garland quote on Game Changers Radio. So how did she arrive here on a show about blockchain? Unravel the mystery. Well, you know, I, I think it was more about her career and what I've seen learning about cloud technologies um, myself. So I kind of just took the cloud and said, hey, this applies to a lot about what I've been learning about blockchain and how it fits on cloud technologies. And Judy was a genius at establishing a powerful, impeccable career as a role model and talented entertainer for nearly 50 years. And, you know, she was constantly under pressure to perform. And as you said, there were some personal life stories and struggles and everything I've learned about cloud technologies. I've seen how some of them are superior and inferior than others. And, you know, I think that kind of relates a little bit to people and in general and entertainers in the same way that I've seen cloud technologies be different in some ways behind the scenes. Very interesting. Can you just do a quick level set for me, Drew? Blockchain on one side, cloud on the other. How do they relate for somebody who's saying, what? I thought we were talking about blockchain. Now he's talking about cloud. How do they fit? Sure. So, so cloud, you know, everything you store as files and things on such cloud devices that you use and you have a cloud technology, let's say you use Google Drive, you know, you're using Google Cloud or whatever cloud you're using. Um, there's ways to encrypt that and blockchain technology as an encryption technology, the way that AI blockchain uses it can encrypt cloud. So we're working with several large cloud companies to do just that. Thank you very much. Good to have you back. And now let's turn to our second panelist, Peter Ebert at CryptoWork. I love the way you spell the company, Peter, C-R-Y-P-T-O, capital W-E-R-K. I love that. I, I always have to make sure I put that W in there. So Peter has sent us a quote from Leonardo Di Serpiero da Vinci, 1452 to 1519, known simply as Leonardo. Although Mr. DiCaprio might, might quibble with that one, I'm not sure. He was an Italian <laughs> Renaissance polymath whose areas of interest included, I love the bios of people from the 14 and 1500s. They, they did so much invention, painting, sculpting, architecture, science, music, and it goes on, math, engineering, literature, anatomy, geology, astronomy, botany, writing, history, and cartography. That's maps. He's also called the father of paleontology, ichnology, and architecture, and one of the greatest painters of all time. And he epitomized the Renaissance humanist ideal. And here is the quote Peter has selected from Leonardo da Vinci. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Peter, welcome back. Thanks so very much for having me back, uh, Bonnie. So why simplicity? Uh, Leonardo has that universal genius. You just read everything he did, and he comes back with this quote. And it's all kind of uh, encompassing everything he learned in his life. His simplicity is the biggest thing. And when we think about blockchain, that's the going to be the future. Blockchain will be ingrained in every transaction at some point. And uh, we're working very hard on making this possible on industrial scale. In fact, I'm currently here at the um, A&D, Aerospace and Defense Innovation Days here at SAP, and I learn how important, and I relearn, how important it is for customers to actually connect everything they have already uh, to all their legacy systems, all their different uh, enterprise applications. Uh, we learned uh, 8,000 applications in one company. Imagine that. And so how can you bring in blockchain into this airball uh, if you can't be simple, and that's what we are doing. 
Very interesting. I think, Peter, there's a famous quote. I don't know who uh, who said it. Uh, somebody very, very famous escapes me because I quote people all the time. But it was, if you ask me to give a speech for 30 minutes, an hour, I can do it right away. Ask me to give a speech that is about five minutes long, and it's going to take me a week or two. I know I'm badly misquoting this, but Except. the simplicity, <laughs> the reducing to the simple is it takes design, it takes thought, it takes care. So is that what blockchain does, reduces all of this mess of transactions to simple, the ledger, distributed, shared, provable? Is that what it does? It can do that. And uh, there is a lot of talk, as you said initially, there's a lot of technology talk about that. And customers typically are not interested in the technology talk. They're interested in what can it do for me what can it do for me now? Why should I use it? Tell me something new. Don't tell me what I already know. And be aware what I already have. So don't start in some science fiction future where everyone agrees on the same standards and everyone uh, is on the same cloud and everyone uses the same blockchain. No, tell me something that makes it interoperable, makes it scalable, does it job right now. And to come back to my earlier um, uh, note uh, regarding uh, ingrained in any transaction, in every transaction, if you think about blockchain producing this mathematical trust that you mentioned earlier, uh, that will be as invisible and as required as what is encryption now. So if you click on any link um, nowadays, uh, you see the little green <laughs> lock uh, typically all the way at the, bo- uh, at the top in your browser. Mm-hmm. And that means everything from now on is encrypted. And the same will happen for blockchain. Uh, it's not encrypted, but it's adding the authenticity piece. It makes sure that what you read is not tampered. So uh, you can be encrypted. You can trust the website you're going to. But if they have been hacked, if there has been data injected, which is a, t- a growing trend, then uh, you can't be sure that what you're looking at is actually what you think you're looking at. So that's where blockchain can come in very simply. Of course, it's not simple to provide that, but the technology is there to do this, and uh, that's what we are focused on and very passionate about. Thank you very much, Peter. Great addition to what we started with, and now let's turn to Andreas Fischer. And you and I have some business to talk about when we get to the "What's in Your Cup" segment, Andreas. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to give a, a clue now. But I think some of our listeners will get a kick out of it. That's just a little preview. We have a little fun coming up. Andreas at SAP has sent me a quote from Sir Arthur C. Clarke, who's got some letters after his name, as as most Brit- Brits do. C B E F R A S. He lived from 1917 to 2008. He was a British science fiction writer, science writer, and futurist. You may not know his name, but you may be pleased to know he was the co-writer of the screenplay for the 1968 film. Was it really that long ago? 2001, A Space Odyssey, considered one of the most influential films of all time. I didn't say influential science films. I said influential films of all time. Here's the quote Andreas has selected from Sir Arthur C. Clarke. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. I love that quote. (laughs) Welcome back, Andreas. How are you? Good. Thank you, Bonnie, for having me. So, yeah, how did I end up with with this quote? I mean, yes, we all know, or most people know, that the technology, especially the algorithms behind blockchain, are quite complicated, and I guess, therefore, some people would consider it to be magic. But that's actually not uh, why I selected the quote. It's actually building on on what Peter just said. uh, uh, It's really like there's one thing that um, 
magic does really, really well, and that uh, is making things invisible, right? And mm-hmm. that's, I think, what we hopefully get to at some point, as Peter just explained, kind of having blockchain ingrained in everything we do, in all the transactions, have it be trust-based, um, might there be a new symbol in your browser or whatnot, for like showing that uh, certain transactions are based on blockchain and therefore um, immutable and can be trusted for. And I, that's what I really hope for we will get to, is kind of having this built-in trust into the systems um, and getting a little bit away from the hype we have right now, um, hopefully people actually will talk about less about blockchain but work more and build it out in the, in the back end and it's just there and it will work indistinguishable from magic. And it will work and there's the magic. I, I love that idea. Uh, those of us who don't want to know about the depths of the, the tech talk of what's happening in the background, we just want something that's better, don't we, Andreas? We want it to work and we want to say, wow, aha, eureka, Somebody did it, and now I can get the benefits of it. Thank you, Andreas. Pleasure to have you back. And now let's welcome our newcomer, Johnny. May I call you Johnny or prefer John or Jonathan? What's your pleasure? Johnny is fine. Thank you. Johnny is fine. You have a radio voice, sir. Oh, my goodness gracious. John Bourgeois, CTO at AI Blockchain, and he has sent us a quote from a person with a long name we will shorten soon, Michelangelo Di Lodovico Buonarati Simoni, commonly known as Michelangelo. 1475 to 1564, Italian sculptor, painter, here we go, architect and poet of the High Renaissance, born in the Republic of Florence, who exerted an unparalleled influence on the development of Western art. And let's see now, he's often considered a contender for the title of the archetypal Renaissance man. Did you know that? Uh, Along with his rival, Leonardo da Vinci. How interesting we had a quote from Leonardo and a quote quote from Michelangelo in the same show. Here's the quote. The great danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. Welcome, Monsieur. How are you? I am doing very well, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. Uh, We're delighted to have you join us. So tell me, how did you find this quote from Michelangelo, and what does it have to do with blockchain? So it's it's funny that you mentioned that we have a, two quotes from Renaissance masters in the same show. Um, you know, and this quote is really kind of always spoken to me. And, and it, but it, when I break it down, it means don't settle. You know, strive, strive to make things better. Strive to be better. You know, it's, anybody can shoot a target, you know, when it's as big as a barn. It's very hard to shoot the fly that's on the wall of that barn. So, you know, keep yourself focused and strive to do better. And I think that's what we're trying to do with, you know, the blockchain technology as a whole is to, provide a system that is better than what we have now, where we're not placing trust in parties and trust in individuals and trusts in other people that may not have our own best interests at heart. You know, we have provable mathematical demonstrable functions that are very, very much the, you know, sorry, it's very easy to see and very easy to, you know, look at and say, yes, this is accurate. And I can say that it's accurate because two plus two still equals four. Mm hmm. Very interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of practical applications. D- you did say to call you John, right? It happened so fast. I'm trying to remember what you said. John. Bonnie, I was in the Marine Corps. You can call me pretty much anything you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call you Johnny because your handle on Twitter is, is Johnny Bravo. Is that okay? It is, yes. And the, the 0311 at the end of that handle is for my job in the Marines. Was, uh, in- oh, my 
So. Wow. Well, I'm just going to say thank you for your service. There you go. Uh, Aaron, Aaron and I are saying we like you. Okay. Appreciate that. I forget what my question was. Yes. Uh, recently, I, I did a major move. And uh, interestingly enough, it was expensive. It was long distance. And there's a dispute between me and the shipper about whether they're going to re- recompense, recompense me or reimburse me for some serious damage they did to my belongings. If I had all of this on blockchain, they would not be saying to me eight months later, did you pack that or did we pack that? What box was it in? Who handled it? Who did or didn't pack it right? What's the value? Am I right, Johnny? That would be, it would already be in a blockchain transaction and it would be immutable. I think Andreas used that word. Is that correct? That is correct. And, you know, the, the actions that were taken, you know, you, you brought it to an extreme of, you know, sort of the Internet of Things and small devices, right? So you have the trackers on the boxes, the trackers on the, you know, the, the handheld devices that the shippers are using. Right, so and all of that would be written, and then you would even have what would be considered, you know, smart contracts built right into the blockchain as well. That would could have something in there that would say, "I am, you know, Bonnie, and I am holding this shipping company responsible for any damages, and they will recompense me for any damages." And if they had signed that contract, then legalities you wouldn't even need because it's already there; the proof is in the pudding. So you wouldn't have spent yep. eight months trying to fight it. <laughs> yep, and and they're now saying to me, "Oh, we think you packed that." And I'm saying, "No, I was standing there when you're met. No, we think you. We're not paying you a dime for that." It, it's it's such a stupid quibble in this day and age of technology that it's a paper list with Xerox copies. <laughs> Actually, uh, yes, the old uh, carbon copies. Oh, I don't even want to go there. Anyway, enough about me. Thank you, Johnny. Happy to have you on board. What a great panel we have today. And as I said, this is part two of a topic that was so big; it was bigger than what we could actually handle on Startup Focus in February. So let's go around the table very briefly and find out a little bit about our panelists. Drew Hingarani, tell me, where are you today, please? And what either what are you drinking, if it's interesting, or what really powers you? What's your favorite beverage that makes you go in the <laughs> blockchain world? <laughs> it's, it's funny enough that the last time we spoke, I had black coffee, but I've had a lot of coffee over the weekend up in Boston, so I'm drinking sparkling water today. And I'm in Hoboken, okay. New Jersey. Any special sparkling water? Do you have a favorite flavor or brand? Uh, I do. Actually, the, the, most of the time, the only brand I use is called Mountain Valley out of North Carolina. Oh, I'm in North Carolina. Mountain Valley. I'll have to look that up when I get a chance. Too much um, to do right now. Thank you. Definitely. Interesting. Any flavor or just plain? Plain. plain. Oh, my goodness gracious. Okay. And now, Peter Ebert, where are you today? And what do you love to drink that powers you at Crypto Work? Yeah, so I'm I'm currently in a hotel in Boston here uh, to to have some space and quiet for for the call, and um, I'm drinking tea, Earl Grey, hot like Jean Luc Picard from the Enterprise. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Well, that was a good reference. And what's the weather up there, in Boston? Uh, it's actually very sunny. It's great. It's uh, I love it. And is it warm? Yeah, <laughs> when you're from California, it's, uh, it, it, nothing, you know, you're challenged a little bit and you're pampered a little bit, so it's not as warm as California, but it's, it's pretty warm. It's in the 60s. I'm glad to hear that. I'll tell you my weather in a minute. And uh, Andreas Fischer, where are you today? And I can't wait for you to tell me what you're drinking. Andreas, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. So I'm again in uh, sunny, sunny California here in our offices. Um, Actually, my drink today is not nearly as interesting as last time, Bonnie. I'm sorry. So I'm also just opted for plain water today um, in the early morning. 
But still, um, maybe you can tell me at the end of the show which Andreas you like more, the water Andreas or the, the special coffee Andreas. <laughs> well, now I have to tell everybody. Last time Andreas was on, he mentioned he was drinking something called Four Sigmatic, that's F-O-U-R, mushroom coffee with lion's mane and chaga, C-H-A-G-A. And in French, it's Café aux Champignons avec lion's mane and chaga. You can't say that in French. And Andreas was kind enough to put an envelope of this coffee into an inter-office mail envelope at SAP, thinking I was in New York and I'm in Durham, North Carolina. So the office in New York at Hudson Yards, Andreas, emailed me and said, we have a package for you. And I said, but I'm not there anymore. I'm here. So they FedExed it to me. So this may be, Andreas, the most expensive package of coffee the world has ever known, past what they say. But I tell you what, Andreas, there's no chance, and you know what, that I'm going to drink this stuff. However... Especially when you told me it's got enough caffeine to just burn its way through your system and power you for eight hours. I don't need that. So what I do is I keep it on my kitchen counter. And when I have company, they all see it and they say, oh, my, where did you get that? And I tell them a story. So, Andreas, you are famous here. You're famous. Okay? Great. Thank you. And Johnny Bravo, Johnny Bourgeois, I'd love to know where are you today. I think I have an idea. And what do you love to drink that powers you? So I'm actually in Hoboken um, in a room next to where Drew is. Um, this is excuse me, where our offices are. And I'm actually not drinking anything right now. Um, I had some coffee this morning. Um, you know, I typically drink water, um, just plain old water. Maybe I'll you know, splash a little bit of Gatorade in there for flavor every now and again. But that's about it until it's after hours. When it's after hours, it's, yes. it's bourbon. bourbon is oh, okay. Now hours. we're getting somewhere. What kind of bourbon? Bourbon. I am a fan of Booker's. I'm a fan of um, Bullet. Is one of my favorites. Um, I like. Gosh, I, I like them all. There's. <laughs> they all have different characteristics and different flavors. Knob Creek has a, you know, a real bite to it. Uh, some of the, like the the Woodbridge are, are more reserved. Um, it, it's just a, a kind of a mood thing, you know, where I'm feeling. And but if it's mm-hmm. a fallback that I need, it'll be Bullet. Okay, I have a little blurb here. Uh, Bullet Bourbon, a bold, spicy, award-winning whiskey made with an exceptionally high rye content. It's a brand of Kentucky Straight Bourbon whiskey produced at the Kieran Brewing Company Four Roses Distillery in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, for the Diago Beverage Conglomerate. Did you know that, Johnny? So I knew that the the story of Bullet is more of a story that they put on the label to entice people, but that it actually is part of a conglomerate. I didn't know which one, but I did know that it was a, it wasn't like the small batch, you know, home brewed type thing that they tried to sell you on the labels, but it's a good one. And it is spelled B-U-L-L-E-I-T. According to Tom Bullitt, great-great-grandson of Augustus Bullitt, the first batch of Bullitt bourbon was made around 1830, and production was discontinued after Augustus's death in 1860. Its original mash bill was two-thirds rye and one-thirds corn. Uh, and then they go on to for more story. I'm not going to read the rest. Thank you, Johnny. Very nice to have you on board. And uh, gentlemen, a uh, couple of you know they only allow me to have water on radio show days. They wouldn't dare let me near caffeine. So, Andreas, I'm still not opening the mushroom coffee because I'd probably just go right through the roof. I'm in Durham, North Carolina. It's a little overcast. It, I haven't checked the temperature. I didn't ask Alexa this morning. She is my weather girl. But um, we're looking at a decent day, and thank goodness it doesn't look like it's going to do anything terrible. 
Well, rumor has it it's going to be in the 80s on Friday, and I may be out on the road for a ride Friday afternoon with the top down or on the back of a bike. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, yes, I have to be careful mentioning Alexa because she'll tell me from the other room. So we're talking about a very serious topic, something that hopefully will improve lives all the way around, blockchain, trust, and startups. So we're talking to Drew Hingarani and Johnny Bourgeois at AI Blockchain, Peter Ebert at CryptoWork, and Andreas Fischer at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. We're going to take a real quick break, and then we're going to run back into this topic. Anything and everything you want to know about blockchain, we won't be able to cover it all, but we will certainly try. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Aaron out. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com follow the voice america talk radio network on twitter we're at voice america trn you'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the voice america talk radio network now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office just go to twitter.com forward slash voice america trn or follow along with us at voice america trn the voice america talk radio network We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back talking about blockchain and trust and startups. This is a part two from a show we did in February. My special guests are Drew Hingarani and Johnny Bourgeois at AI Blockchain, Peter Ebert at CryptoWork, and Andreas Fischer at SAP. We're going to start the roundtable in earnest, as my late wonderful mother used to say. I, I once told her I dated a man named Ernest, and she said, but was he sincere? I'll never forget that quote from mom. So let's go to notes here from Drew. And Drew is 
is going to talk about, well, we're talking about how blockchain is going to solve a lot of problems, but let's do a reality check. Drew says there are inherent problems with traditional models like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Let me just read one. The first and most widely known application of blockchain technology is Bitcoin. And Drew, I think a lot of people think Bitcoin is blockchain and blockchain is Bitcoin. Let me just stop there and you can talk about some of the burdens of trust. So go ahead. Yeah, sure. So with Bitcoin and Ethereum, Bitcoin is basically the underlying technology behind Bitcoin is blockchain. And Bitcoin is a method of payment or a storage of value. So you could transfer Bitcoin from one person to another, and that's a payment mechanism. Uh, Ethereum is built around the same way. Uh, Ethereum's open ledger enables everyone to see your contract code, and although the participants remain hidden, there's a lot of disadvantages with trying to use smart contracts. So with Ethereum and with Bitcoin, you have transaction settlement time, I think was one of the, the negative aspects of it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. here at AI Blockchain, we've been able to do immediate settlement, but basically looking at some of the negative aspects of Bitcoin and Ethereum, we've tried to iron out, and, and I think that there are a few in, in both technologies. Um, uh, does that help elaborate a little bit? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, what, what about the fact that people think they see Bitcoin? Oh, Bitcoin, I don't know what that is. Oh, something to do with blockchain. Oh, I see blockchain. Oh, yeah, they mean Bitcoin. Is that is still a confusion or an interchangeability of the terms that really isn't right, Drew? I, well, I think in the very beginning, um, there were a lot of altcoins and Bitcoins. The market was solely around cryptocurrency. So in mm-hmm. the beginning, people looked at Bitcoin and they related it to cryptocurrencies and they could see a market of other coins that are similar to Bitcoin, such as Ethereum. But then later, when people started to look at the blockchain technology and see that it could be used for other aspects like supply chain or transferring contracts and agreements between two parties and using it for other systems of trading digital assets between two parties, then you see the difference. You see blockchain technology could be used to transfer any digital asset out there between one person and another, and Bitcoin is really a mechanism of payment or storage of value. Thank you very much. Let's move around the table and get some comments here. Let's go to Peter Ebert first. Peter, thoughts? Yes, uh, we get the question a lot about Bitcoin and yes. uh, uh, versus blockchain. And even though many people still say, uh, if you ask them, hey, what shall we tell you about blockchain? They know we know everything. <laughs> and then uh, if you start talking about enterprise-grade blockchain, then the eyes glaze over and they say, well, now tell me more because we thought, Bitcoin was uh, the application, and uh, so there is uh-huh. still a lot of uh, uh, a lot of fuzziness in in people's minds around what is exactly blockchain versus cryptocurrencies. Okay, um, what do you think, Andreas? Let's get you in on this. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, still we still try to help people understand uh, what they can use um, those blockchain protocols for, and what's the difference between. Bitcoin as a blockchain use case and blockchain as the underlying technology, this idea of this distributed ledger that's the single source of truth that you then can use for building scenarios like, let's say, supply chain or exchange of information in in other scenarios where everyone really want to build on the single source of truth rather than having their own um, system of record or their own truth. And then you have to potentially reconcile um, if there's disputes, like you earlier mentioned with your um, shipping example, right? Where you said, um, I, there was a dispute about, okay, who packed things and who not, because you said um, your truth was they packed it. They said the truth was you packed it. And now you have Mm -hmm. this dispute. So I'm getting to this point, I think is um, on using the blockchain for those kind of capabilities, I think is 
it's very it's really interesting in the enterprise space. Thank you very much. And Johnny Bourgeois, what do you have to say? Join us. So I think it was summed up rather well in that blockchain is the technology and Bitcoin is just an implementation of that technology. It's not the sole use case. There are plenty of others, right? You know, supply chain being one of them, your shipping example being a, you know, being a use case, um, you know, movement of document storage, you know, doc, uh, validation rules, a- anything you can possibly imagine, you know, which we kind of started off the show with, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be involved in everything. And it's not just the Bitcoins and the Ethereums and the Litecoins and whatever other coin of the day there are. Okay. You, you know, I, I just want to make a sidebar here. Thank you, Johnny. Go around the table. I've been getting email pitches from companies asking me to invest in blockchain, in Bitcoin. I've been getting pitches to join something called Doc.something. And from people I know, hey, join Doc.ai, I think it's called. Does anybody know what that is? It's something to do with joining a, I don't know, it's a consortium or just a user group. Does anybody know what that is? I, I don't have the emails in front of me, but I was wondering since I have all these experts on the show. Any thoughts about that? It's called Doc. I, anybody heard of it? This is Johnny. I haven't heard of a Doc.ai, but a lot of the... Unfortunately, we're still in the Wild West, right? So there's a lot of people mm-hmm. out there trying to make a very quick buck, and they think that if they they speak the words blockchain and you know they they raise they can raise some funds for it, and really all they're doing is trying to rip you off. So it's you know the the, the I'm sure we all remember the phishing schemes of that you know famous Nigerian prince who wants to oh, send yeah. you a million dollars if you just send him your bank account number. Oh, yeah, we're good friends, but I've never sent him my bank again. I found it. I found it. It's doc.io. Let me read it to you briefly, and we, if anybody has anything to say. Doc.io is a network built on blockchain and is transforming the professional industry. Join one of the fastest-growing professional networks in the world and earn tokens for your early contributions to the network. And I was invited by somebody I've never heard of who says he's a futurist, a writer, a consultant, and a speaker, and I will not give his name. And I've been invited by two people to join this. It goes into my junk pile, but I found it. Anybody ever heard of this, Doc.io? Johnny said he hadn't. Uh, Drew or Andreas or Peter? No, it doesn't. I, have not, I haven't actually. heard of it. No. Interesting. It's, okay, it's, well, I guess I'm, I'm very popular. Familiar. So there's others trying the same thing uh, to go yeah. into any given ICO uh, initial coin offering. It's now called different, but uh, it's essentially there's a lot of scam out there in, in this yeah. specific case. And so I would stay away from it um, if I Absolutely. <laughs> and I have another invitation from somebody I used to work with at SAP when I joined about eight years ago. I recognize the name. So I don't know if this is spam or scam or what, but I, I will not enter. I, I will not join them. Yep. Who wants to say I'm scam? not sure if it's, if it's all scam. It's just all, oftentimes early stage ideas, right? I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. good ideas out there in, in small companies. Um, will they ever really make it? I don't know, but that's to be... So, I mean, okay, sometimes well, it's worth looking at those projects, but of course, you have to have a good, deep understanding of what they are doing to really decide if it's a scam or not. So, especially if they want your money, be be very careful. 
Here's what it says. Connect your information across the web. Doc.io connects your profiles, your reputations, and your networks into one shareable source using blockchain technologies. They say they've raised $20 million in a recent token sale. It says your information is all over the place. Managing each source separately wastes time, loses value, gives you no control on how it's stored or used. Doc.io lets you create one shareable source for your profile, your network, and your professional reputation. Say goodbye to long sign-up forms. You're in full control, powered by blockchain. Does that change anybody's mind? <laughs> this is John <laughs> and it's, they, I, I, I giggle because it's you know it's that marketing blurb, right? And some people are exceptionally creative at writing and putting these things together to sound like this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it certainly could be, right? I mean, having all of your you know profiles all you know managed in one place, and you know mm-hmm. all of your like LinkedIn and Twitter and whatever, Facebooks and everything else, could feasibly be an interesting use case, right? And it's definitely something to look into. But as was said, you know, take it with a grain of salt. And Absolutely. You know, because if these, thing, if these guys are asking for your profile information, well, I'm pretty sure we all heard the recent uh, Mark Zuckerberg oh, yeah. uh, oh, fiasco yeah. that's going on in the news now. Yep. Thank you very much, Johnny. Now let's move on, Peter Ebert. I have a comment here in your notes. I think we're going to turn to this. You say, if you think blockchain, think the Internet of Mathematical Trust. Think faster, lower-cost transactions in the future. And you say, future economies will not wait for days for cross-border payments. With blockchain, they won't have to. And then you talk about governments and regulations. Peter, tell us more, please. I'm very intrigued with the concept of the Internet of Mathematical Trust. What do you think? So, so let me take your, your use case, actually, that you just mentioned. And uh, a couple of days back, I, for the first time, I got a delivery uh, by Amazon, in this case, that was left in front of my porch, and mm-hmm. there was a picture attached, and it showed the package in front of my porch with a timestamp. Now, that is very intriguing, because that's a part of the future, uh, because that means Amazon embraces pictures to, to prove that they actually, their delivery company actually did their job and there is a timestamp attached. Now, that's a great idea. In the future, you will see this uh, picture, the photograph, it's just another digital asset being hashed, digital fingerprint, and put in the blockchain because there may be some motivation by the delivery, uh, delivery company to Photoshop that image, right? To put a different mm-hmm. timestamp on it at some point. And so there is three people involved here, or three parties involved. There's Amazon as the one shipping, then there is a shipper, and then there is you. So all these disputes, if you, if you add them up, uh, are millions of transactions that happen every minute. And uh, at some point, this will all go through a um, blockchain-based uh, system to make sure that you actually can cut costs, you can save the calls to the, the shipper, um, to prove that you're innocent or vice versa. And uh, that actually takes a lot of latencies out the system, a lot of cost, as I said, and um, increases the speed uh, of how we can transact. And there is no middleman involved here. And that's the, that's the mathematical trust aspect. There is blockchain involved that is able to automate trust across parties that naturally don't trust each other. And that's the, the, the secret. Uh, that's the the big tsunami that we heard will happen uh, very very soon. 
Very interesting. And I'm just going to have one more comment before we go around the table and have Andreas and Johnny and, and Drew comment. You say, uh, organic food, fine wine, and luxury good, goods will soon have unique serial numbers that are blockchainified. There's a new addition to the English vocabulary, blockchainified. <laughs> Peter, Peter, yeah. you want to make a quick comment about that before I go around the table? I like this. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so blockchainified essentially means it's uh, blockchain-based trust is being applied. So to, to take the picture of, uh, let's say you buy a Gucci bag, a luxury item, and um, you want to make sure that you pay your good dollars for the real thing. And so in the future, we'll have an app uh, that uh, allows you to scan this item. So there's a unique ID on this item. It's called serialization. There's uh, a number of industries embracing this now, namely pharma, but also aerospace and others. And so you can scan this item, but then you need to go to a trusted entity to ask the question, is this real? And so you want to make sure that it's not, uh, it's not fake. Uh, also, the data that is coming back is not fake. And so that's where blockchain can shine, where they, the manufacturer, when they, when they created the serial number uh, and produced the item, it's actually blockchainified, meaning it ends up in the blockchain so that later on, uh, each consumer that touches that item, each person, each logistics company, every partner can, that touches that item can actually authenticate independently against the blockchain and not against any... Uh, specific vendor system, and that's the future we're talking about. It's, it's going to be ingrained in our everyday's life, and at some point you won't buy a bag, and you won't even pay the people trying to sell you the bag before you have checked authenticity of the item. I love it. That's going to put a lot of vendors on the streets of Manhattan out of business. You know that. <laughs> the, the knockoffs and the people who fall things off the back of a truck. But I digress. I'm not in New York anymore. and Not my problem. Andreas Fischer, love to get your thoughts on the interesting concept we just heard from Peter Ebert. What do you think? No, definitely. I think it's, it's really uh, important to build this trust and transparency. And I think blockchain can really help us to like streamline business processes there and like build those new systems where we can um, have this trust built in. I think it's still early days today where we're at uh, in building those systems. I mean, the technology is, is still really new, right? Um, and of course, there's also a lot of concern because you, you more, more transparency is sometimes not the answer, right? I mean, some people also fear more transparency or it mm-hmm. could be depending on what your scenario is and what companies or participants are in that system, you also have to take care of how you, how you share that data and who is at the end able to access it because sometimes it's not better to just share everything and give all, make all the information public even if it's like a, a smaller network of participants as soon as you have maybe competitors in a, in a system or um, think about all those scenarios we just talked about, let's say farm to consumer, right, where you have some produce and you want to track it, its life cycle all the way to from where it was produced to where it was consumed. Um, mm-hmm. There might be a lot of companies in, in one system together, in one network that collaborate, um, which is all fine and good for, for use cases like recall or, or waste management, but you definitely want to make sure that um, there's, if there's competitors, they don't want to expose all their data, right? So um, who is buying from what and um, ships to whom might be some data you still need to keep to yourself. So um, I think that we really have to find the right level of what data can be shared, should be shared, um, and how can we still keep certain data private in a network that needs to be private. Great points there. Let's go around the table. Um, Johnny, you're next around the table. What do you think? 
absolutely, there's a bunch of different and great use cases that are out there for, you know, exactly that. You know, the the digitiza- digitization and blockchainification is that a new word too? Um, yeah, <laughs> of, it, of you, you heard it first here. Go ahead. <laughs> so. You know, the, using the, uh, you know, using your Amazon photo as an example, right? And, and, you know, that's a great use case coming, coming up and Amazon embracing that kind of, you know, and different companies embracing the technology of, you know, that, that third, that lack of a third party trust. Um, you know, but we, you have to think of confidentiality. I mean, there's obviously documents and data that cannot be shared. And so to solve some of those things, you know, you would have to come up with a methodology, something akin to what we call a zero knowledge proof which is hmm. I'm going to send you some kind of a redacted statement or something to that effect that has mm-hmm. the hash of the original in it that you can verify that this hash matches the original document so I don't have to share a document with somebody else, right? So, you know, there, there's ways into there, too, that you can keep your own data confidential, share some kind of a statement out there with everybody that everybody can see that, hey, there was some data that was transferred between party A and party B, but that data itself is not available to be seen. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Uh, let's go around the table back to Drew. Drew, you're next in line. Talk to me. Yeah, blo- blockchain eyes it, Bonnie. <laughs> I, I like the term. Blockchain five, blockchainization, blockchain. Yeah. Berg. I, I, I don't food, know. Food is a great. <laughs> food is a great use case for it with supply chain, this track and tracing where products come from. Just for simply, who someone just mentioned recall. You know, recalling of products and using yeah. blockchain technology to track everything from where it's lettuce or meat products um, back to the source uh, could save, you know, time, money, lives. Who knows? Well, we, we could certainly hope that it has great impact on society in general for, for a broader purpose for the good, right? And that's, well, you know something? Interesting. We do a lot of shows on purpose. We just created a spin-off series called Game Changers with Purpose from our Future of the Future series. And that would be interesting to, to talk about blockchain as being part of companies having a purpose to make life better, more secure, enhance the concept of trust around the world. Am I right, Drew? That would be a yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I think we came up with a new use case for blockchain in the in the areas of, of uh, yes, of purpose and trust. I like that. Okay, I'm going to scoot around the table here, uh, Peter. In the interest of time, forgive me. I'm going to scoot around to Andreas. And Andreas, I have a statement here. I want you to comment on, and then I'll pick one from Johnny. And then I think we're going to have to go to our predictions. But gentlemen, I'm putting you on warning. I'm inviting you back for part three because we still have barely touched the surface. So that's that's my prediction. You're going to all come back. So here's what Andrea said. In the enterprise space, blockchain probably will be more of a medium of collaboration between existing, already existing and known players rather than a medium of complete disruption. I think that's very provocative. Andreas, what do you mean by that? Tell me. Sure. So, I mean, I, I, I will not say that there is no disruption and there will mm-hmm. be disruption happening, but I guess uh, as we are right now, and since this is a really, well, uh, some and hyped, but also talked about topic, I, says, I think peop- uh, people and companies are seeing this topic coming, right? So companies are looking into it. So I don't really see, like, will there be some disruption in certain areas? Yes. Will banks go away because people only do peer-to-peer payments? Probably not, right? Because no. they see it coming and they look into it and they see how we can we leverage those technologies for our own good uh, or for our own benefit and, and build those systems. So I think, yes, some disruption will be good, but at the end of the day, companies will just 
look on how can we use that medium to like streamline our business processes, have more efficient exchange of information, have this single source of truth everyone can rely on, agree on, and build your business process accordingly around it, and then get away from disputes and other things. Um, I think that's going to be the bigger market, I think, for, for blockchain in the enterprise. Thank you, Andreas. And Johnny, not forgotten, I know you're around the table already. We're a packed house here, but I do want to pull up one of your statements here and have you comment for about a minute and a half, and then we're going to quickly circle back to Drew for predictions. Johnny says blockchain technology's greatest strengths lie in its ability to be applicable to almost every scenario. Unfortunately, that is also its greatest weakness. Johnny, please tell me more. Sure, and I think that's a great segue in from what uh, Andreas was just saying, right? That, you know, blockchain, you can apply to everything. You know, there, there's the use cases are galore. There's business cases that can be done, but we don't want to disrupt the entire world to simply do it, right? So I think it's how are we going to integrate this into our existing business processes? What are we, what are we doing now and how can we make them better? It's not about destroying what we've done over the past N number of years and coming up with some something completely new and different. It's enhancing what we're doing and, and striving to make what we're doing better and allowing, you know, cost savings, allowing, making people's lives better, you know, things along that nature. That's what I meant by that quote. Okay, thank you very much. And we know that enterprises are jumping on board the blockchain bandwagon if such a thing exists. So thank you very much. We have so much more to talk about. Obviously, we're not going to get to it today, but I want to do the our usual roundtable. We call it the predictions crystal ball round. Uh, somebody recently suggested we call it the disco ball instead of the, the crystal ball because I, I keep carrying. Luckily, the mover did not damage my 36-inch mirrored disco ball that I've been schlepping back and forth across the country every time I move from a hotel where I bought it out of a hotel they were demolishing in Eugene, Oregon. And I gave it to myself as a birthday gift many, many, many years ago. And it's still with me. Thank goodness. Hey, mess with the disco ball. You mess with Bonnie. You don't want to do that. Drew Hingarani, let's look into the crystal ball. I'm going to give you just 60 seconds, really, really tight. So let's see. What do you think the future will bring? And you can go as far as 2025 if you wish. Where is blockchain going? What will we be talking about then? Drew, talk I to me. I think uh, we're going to be looking at it in covering uh, data, people's data. I think you might see uh, blockchain being used possibly in new uh, regulations uh, covering KYC and perhaps hopefully maybe even in uh, Europe's new GDPR general data protection regulation. Hopefully there will be blockchain applied in some ways to show how the technology could be used to administer quickly and easily what regulations want to see coming. Thank you very much, Peter Ebert at CryptoWork. Talk to me. Yes. Predictions, 60 seconds. I agree, seconds. and, and uh, yeah. you won't trust data in the near future that hasn't been blockchainified. It's, it's, uh, it's like in the, in the paper business, you have notary publics, and you wouldn't believe mm-hmm. that somebody showing you a piece of paper with something on it, that it's authentic unless it's uh, notarized. And that, that's a very similar process here with the blockchain uh, but uh, now applied to data, data integrity, so that the data that is increasingly driving businesses, um, a digital transformation, is actually authentic. And you'll find more and more of these use cases. You will find the industry catching up on interoperability, scalability questions, and not just talking about cryptocurrencies. And then uh, also, which I personally very much like, is You'll see blockchain in the food chains, organic food in the pharmacy, mm-hmm. uh, where you can make sure that what you're eating is actually what you think you're eating and not kind of making you sick. 
Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? I still want to know why a certain, uh, it was a club soda or a ginger ale I had that had lemon in it at a nightclub in New York about 12 years ago. And within the hour, I was passed out cold. There was no alcohol in it. Sick on the on the bathroom floor, retching for about three hours. Wow. Thought I was going to die. I was in bed for four days trying to, and I still haven't figured out whether it was bad soda from the tap or whether it was a tainted lemon that somebody had handled. I don't even want to think about it, but I still would love to know what caused that because anyway, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about food one day, food and blockchain. That's our next topic. Andreas Fischer, SAP. Predictions, all yours. Sure. So I definitely think, yeah, we will see more and more use cases outside of the, the classical cryptocurrency space in areas like food safety, for instance, and, and other areas where we can make a real impact um, with the technology. I also would like to see more the, the intersection between blockchain and IoT, to be honest, because I think there's a, a lot of potential in that area as well. Kind of thinking about microtransactions or like really having this trusted sense or data being provided and being added to something like a blockchain, then you can act on, right? So if you can really trust that sensor data that's out there, you can really act on, have your smart contracts executing some things, transactions and whatnot. So I think that's a really, really interesting space, and I hope we get to explore it more and see some things out there. I agree. Thank you very much, Johnny Bourgeois. Rounding out the pack here, I have 60 seconds for you, Johnny. Go ahead. What do you predict? So... Along those same lines, I think there's going to be standardization, right? So we're going to have to come up with some kind of a language or some kind of a way that all these IoT devices can work together and write to blockchains. You know, just like we have Swift for banks and EDI for supply chain, there's going to be some kind of a language that comes out to define, you know, the way that blockchains communicate with each other so that we can get that interoperability, that we can get that scalability, that we can get the everybody speaking the same language. So we can have the IoT devices and, uh, you know, from the farmer's market to your table. I like that. I like all of it. Gentlemen, will you agree now? No pressure. You're on live radio. But will you agree to come back uh, in the summer, maybe August? I think I have an opening there to come back and continue this conversation. And we can shift it to some specialty use cases, if you like. What do you think? Drew, will you come back with me? Sure, Bonnie. Yes, definitely, Bonnie. It would be great. Good. Johnny, will you come back? Yes, ma'am. I am in. Okay, call me, ma'am. I'll forgive you. One pass on the ma'am. Andreas, will you come back? <laughs> sure, Bonnie, anytime. Oh, thank you. And Peter, say yes. Uh, absolutely, anytime. <laughs> it's a wonderful. This, this was a wonderful conversation. Uh, tomorrow morning, speaking of IoT, somebody just mentioned that we have Internet of Things with Game Changers. We'll be on the air at 10 a.m. Eastern right here on the Business Channel, and that will round out our broadcast week. So I want to say thank you so much to our four esteemed panelists, smart, savvy, well-spoken, really appreciate it. And a thank you to uh, thank you to Christina Sosa, who works on the Startup Focus with Game Changers series, who introduced me to all of you and this topic in February. Christina, shout out and a hug from me. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? And by the way, gentlemen, when we come back, I want to talk about what it's going to take to educate the public on knowing that blockchain is out there and they have a right to use it and know how it can protect them and give them more trust in everything they do and everything they buy. So let's put that in the notes for the new the new uh, abstract. So here we go. Go out and be a game changer today, just like Drew Hingarani and Johnny Bourgeois at AI Blockchain, just like Peter Ebert at Crypto Work. And it does have a lowercase w. I apologize, Peter. And Andreas Fischer at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. And thank you to Aaron, our intrepid engineer at the Business Channel. Have a great day. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. 